You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 973 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, or receive 15% off your next order with Built Bar. Today's show will focus on what became a 120 to 109 loss for the Hawks at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks on this Thursday evening. And, uh, you know, not a terrible result overall for Atlanta. At the same time, uh, you know, there's, there were some highs, there were some lows, there was some, uh, I would say, lack of depth that shone through in this spot as the Hawks have been battling these injury issues for quite some time. I think particularly this matchup had caught up to them pretty much, and the second unit was kind of unplayable at times, and that was the reason why the Hawks lost this game, at least a big reason why. But we'll dive in now to the injuries in the background, as we always do on the podcast. Um, Trey Young returned in this game. That's obviously a good thing for Atlanta overall, although he did not play very well, but it was good to have him back and uh, presumably healthy or at least getting closer to healthy. Nate McMillan said after the game that uh, he was kind of asked if Trey Trey looked like himself and was healthy. Um, It seemed like he was a step slow in this game for sure, but McMillan kind of downplayed that. Um, You you never know, obviously, unless you're around the team, and nobody is right now, including including us because of Zoom and all that stuff. But um, obviously he was healthy enough to play, so nothing terribly bad there, you would think. Um, Elsewhere, though, Gallinari still missed this game. The Hawks were still without six guys, still very shorthanded as a result of that. No Collins. No Hunter, no Dunn, no Snell, no Gallinari, no Reddish. Obviously pretty shorthanded. We'll, we'll just leave it there for now. Um, as for the Bucks, they had Giannis come back in this game. He had missed the last six for Milwaukee, so some bad timing there for the Hawks in this national TV matchup. Uh, DiVincenzo did miss the game for Milwaukee, so they were a little bit shorthanded, but still not quite on the level, obviously, of where the Hawks are. As for the injury updates that were not game-related, McMillan did say that Hunter and Dunn have not, quote, done anything live, end quote, just yet as they return. Um, That does not seem like the greatest thing for them moving forward in terms of the next few days anyway, coming back. But no formal update from McMillan and nothing at all on Collins or Snell. So we're all guessing there. I know it's frustrating. You know, Hawks fans, I I definitely hear you guys um, not knowing about the injuries. We don't know either. It's really hard for us right now as well, trying to cover this team without that, you know, in-person contact. We're kind of even more reliant on obviously Zooms, but also the team updates, so uh, we're, all, we're all crossing our fingers, so I will provide updates as I have them, I promise. At any rate, in this game, with Giannis in, Trey in, etc., the Hawks ended up starting this game off, according to our friends at Belanda AG, as four and a half point underdogs. It was actually as, as high as seven as of last night on Wednesday. It dropped down to four and then back up to four and a half. It was kind of in that range, and with everybody playing other than DiVincenzo, it was uh, settled in here. And, you know, given the fact that the Hawks were at home and also had the rest advantage, it was not terribly surprising to see them a little bit smaller over number than you might expect. Um, but Milwaukee getting honest back, obviously, is helpful and uh, ended up they ended up covering, of course, at the end of this game. So we'll dive in now, as we always do on the podcast, and we'll finish things up with some takeaways and some individual breakdowns later on in the show. A good start for the Hawks. In this game, they actually led 10 to 4 coming out of the gate. They made their four of their first five shots, including their first two threes. And then Milwaukee answered, sort of setting the tone for a lot of runs in this game. Back and forth. Milwaukee scored nine points in a row, take the lead at 13 to 10. The Hawks missed seven straight shots at that point in time. Trey Young was fighting his floater all the way through this game, especially early on. He just did not have it in this game in terms of uh, that that shot that's so critical to his success. 
The Hawks did play good defense at times in the first quarter. It was a really nice possession where they actually forced a shot clock violation in pretty effective fashion. And I thought they were, they were pretty active overall. You know, after the game, um, both McMillan and Solomon Hill did not seem thrilled with the effort level in this in this spot. I think, but I think early on it was actually fine. It just kind of deteriorated at times after that. Rotation-wise, they went to Solomon Hill. Um, obviously, it was starting this game. They, they went to Nathan Knight as the first sub out of a timeout, and they seemed to. Honestly, it seemed very clear to me, especially um, watching the bench, that they were pairing Solomon Hill with Giannis. They wanted Solomon Hill to guard Giannis. He was their best option in this matchup. He did a really good job, by the way, on Giannis. But they went to Knight as soon as Giannis came out of the game. Um, and then from there, it was Lou uh, for Kevin Herter and sort of the traditional rotation with the one exception of um, they actually used Brandon Goodwin in place of Skylar Mays. In the last couple of games, they've had Skylar sort of that third wing of sorts. In this game, it was BG because he, I think, you have to assume it was because he played so well in the last two games as the backup point guard. So no problem with that whatsoever. And they only played nine of the of the 11 guys that were active in the spot. No, no Mays and no Fernando. Um, the Hawks did use this one lineup that had some pretty bad defensive bona fides. They played a lineup of... Trey Young, Lou Williams, Bogdanovich, Nathan Knight, and Okongwu together. That did not last very long, and defensively, that's never going to work, honestly. I'm going to say pretty good Bucks team. They did bring in Goodwin from there. That would kind of help stabilize a little bit um, at that point in time. But Okongwu played pretty well in the first quarter, I thought. A couple block, uh, sorry, one block shot, a couple nice finishes around the rim. Good to see him playing well. But the Hawks did trail by four in, at the end of the first quarter. Based largely on Milwaukee hitting six threes in the first quarter, and that was kind of funny because Bryn Forbes, who's probably their best shooter, if not for Middleton, one of those two guys is their best shooter, but still, Forbes was 0 of 3, and everybody else was kind of hot from Milwaukee at the outset. The Hawks didn't shoot it great, but they had 8 free throws in the first quarter and no turnovers, which kind of helped them to prop up their offense, and Bogdanovich was the one guy who was still hot. Uh, he had 10 points, and that continued the entire rest of the way. Uh, in the second quarter, there was one great play I wanted to highlight at the top. Akongwu had a sort of a fake DHO um, handoff kind of play, and ended up finishing that. That was a really, really nice flash from him. Um, but overall, the offense was not very good early in the second quarter. And they did they did score to cut, down, cut the lead down to five at one point. Um, a couple of sort of out-of-control drives. They ran a pick-and-roll at Giannis, which was definitely not a good idea. Um, they came back to Trey Young in the, in, the second, in the first unit, actually, with about eight minutes to go in the half. There was some pretty big sloppiness, though. Sort of midway through that quarter, they had a couple chances to tie the game at one point. Uh, even actually won to take the lead when they were down by one. But then Milwaukee had their uh, one of their big runs of the game. It was a 13-0 run to go from up one to up 14. Part of that was a stint that had Nathan Knight at center. Um, presumably because Okongwu got his third foul in pretty short order. And I get that three fouls in the first half feels like you're in foul trouble. I will just point this out. I said this on Twitter as well. I didn't like this decision just because, you know, Kongwu, I get that you're in foul trouble, quote-unquote, but when you're a guy that's projected to play, you know, 18 minutes at the most, foul trouble doesn't really exist uh, in that way, especially uh, with Capella healthy as he was in this spot. So they went to Knight. It's a small sample size for sure, but they were minus six in with Knight at center, and that that was never going to work. It just it just wasn't. Knight, Knight is a below average defender at the four, much less at the five, so that just did not have a prayer of stopping them. I don't think, and uh, I circled that for sure, and it did not work out very well. It was not the only reason, though. Obviously, for that run, Milwaukee just kind of had it going for a second, and the Hawks did not. A um, couple of big shots actually late in the first half from Solomon Hill, who was awesome in this game. He had two threes when things were kind of slipping away in a you know pretty meaningful way. That allowed the Hawks to, to only, I say only kind of jokingly, but also seriously, uh, only be done by 12 at the half because they could have been worse given where they were as it was slipping away there in the second quarter. 
The Bucks scored almost four, sorry, almost 1.4 points per possession in the first half. They had 17 assists before halftime and 11-3, so some uh, subpar defense, you would say. Milwaukee was hot for sure, but the Hawks didn't do a great job contesting on the perimeter at times. Um, one positive defensively, if I wanted to give something on that end of the floor, is that they only held uh, the Bucks to 20 points in the paint before halftime. That's well below their average, so that was pretty good. They just kind of made they made a lot of jump shots for sure. The Hawks did score about their average rate in the entire game, even in the first half. They did make five threes, fewer than Milwaukee did though, but took care of the ball. Four turnovers in the first half, that was pretty good. Um, 15 points for Bogdanovich in the first half. Um, Click upon 11 rebounds. And Trey Young was scoreless before halftime, which is not the norm, that's for sure. At any rate, we'll dive back into the second half of this game and much, much more. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, it's the second half, and things actually started very well for the Hawks in the third quarter. Bogdanovich had it going, he had a contested jumper, and then another three to cut the lead down. And then Solomon Hill made his fourth three of the game. It was an 8-0 run by the Hawks coming out of the locker room to cut the lead from 12 down to 4. That's sort of a reset. Like, at that point, it's a new game and a pretty nice start there. And part of that was a missed dunk by Drew Holiday, which is kind of a funny moment in retrospect. I'm not sure how he even did what he did there. If you saw this game live, you will definitely recognize that, but not the greatest play in the world by Drew, who was good in this game, but not, not in that spot. The Hawks, though, made their first four threes in the second half, including the fifth of the night for Solomon Hill, who had his season high for both threes and points early in the third quarter, so he was obviously uh, red hot in this game. Overall, it was a 22-9 to run by Atlanta to open second quarter, sorry, open the second half, third quarter, um, and that gave, them, they gave, they gave the Hawks the lead at 74-73 after another three by Bogdanovich, who was unconscious at that point in time. Um, also, Troy Young scored for the first time during that run. And the lead the Hawks had lasted for 25 seconds. That was it. So they made this one you know, big push, 22-9, take the lead for less than a minute. Milwaukee scores, and the Hawks never let again. Um, so, you know... Credit to the Hawks for throwing that counterpunch because they it felt like at times the second quarter it was going to run away from them a little bit. So the fact that they led in the third quarter is a credit to the Hawks. But from that point on, it was pretty much all Bucks until the final minutes. Um, there was a what I would describe as a god-awful call against Clint Capella for his third foul on a rebound. They pulled him at that point in time. That did not help. It wasn't the only thing because he was going to sit at some point along the way there. You can't you got to play him the entire half. But that was a very bad call at a bad time for the Hawks that led, at least in part, to a 12-2 run by the Bucks to end the quarter. And the Hawks go from down 12 to start the quarter to up 1 and then back down 12. So at the end of the quarter, it was 30-30. to It was dead even. 
but it was a 13-point swing in both directions, which is kind of uh, interesting and not exactly ideal for the team that's trying to make the comeback. In the fourth, Milwaukee sort of started control early. They scored the first four points to go up by 16. That was uh, a little bit of scary hours for the Hawks. But Solomon Hill hit another three. That was his sixth of the night. The Bucks kept scoring. They had 100 points with 10 minutes to go. Um, but Bogdanovich hit another contested three, uh, trying to keep them alive. Uh, again, it was a lot of Hill and a lot of Bogdanovich. That was basically it offensively for large portions of this game. But the Hawks were down 19 with about 6.30 to go. So obviously they're in some deep trouble there. So you go from, again, up by one to down 19 in about, about a quarter, essentially, of playing time, about 12 minutes or so. That's not what you want. The Hawks, though, did make one final push. It was a 7-0 run initially with the help of a clear path foul, getting the lead down to 12, about five minutes to go. And then from there, it was pushed to a 13-2 overall run to cut the lead to 8 with 225 left. You know, still, you're in trouble there, down 8 with 225 to go, but you are you have a puncher's chance. It wasn't over. I made sure to note that, um, even in real time. And the Bucks just couldn't score for a long time. They had two points in almost five minutes, about four minutes and 56 seconds. That's a long time to have two points against a defense that was not playing great in this game overall for Atlanta. So they, they definitely left the door open a little bit there with just not scoring. And I think the game kind of ended on a possession where Milwaukee got three offensive rebounds in a row, and that ended up with Brooke Lopez getting a dunk to kind of go back up by 10 and kind of seal it. It wasn't over, over, over at that point. That was the probably the single biggest possession of the game in terms of actually deciding the outcome because again, Milwaukee was in control there up eight, but it wasn't over. And then when they, they killed like almost a minute of time plus scored, that was kind of uh, the last glancing blow. Um, and the Hawks never really recovered. So the final score of 11 point deficit. It was pro- that's probably appropriate for where the Hawks were in this game. They, you know, they were around for large portions of it. They were competitive for large portions of it, but at the end of the day, they kind of let go of the rope in the fourth quarter and that is where they landed. Um to some takeaways here before I get over to the individual portion of the game. Um one thing I wanted to note was that offensively, the Hawks played pretty well in this game, especially when you account for Trey Young not playing well. You know, Trey as we'll get into later was 3 of 17 from the floor. And if you told me that, you know, the Hawks are going to be in some trouble against, against Milwaukee for sure. Even beyond that, the Hawks got basically nothing from Trey Young and Lou Williams, their two lead guard creators, and still ended up scoring about an average rate for the game. They scored about 1.13 points per possession, which against a Milwaukee defense that's very good, that's a pretty good number for Atlanta. This is definitely a defense loss overall. Obviously, there's some unsustainably hot shooting from Hill and Bogdanovich in this game, but the rest of the team... You know, th- those two guys were 12 of 20 from three. That's obviously incredible. But the rest of the team was 2 of 14. So it wasn't like it was crazy, ridiculous shooting from the Hawks. They were 41%. That's a lot, but not crazy. But so offensively, again, no complaints. Uh, they, there were some moments where they were kind of bad. And uh, one thing I want to circle here also is that they, they only had 11 turnovers, but Nate Mimlin pointed this out as well. That's a really low number, which is good. But they led to 21 points directly. So that's that's sky high. You don't normally average almost two points per possession in terms of your turnovers to points on the other end of the floor. So part of that's variance. Part of that's just some, some bad live, live ball turnovers. But that definitely cost them despite some quality uh, ball security. Also beyond that, the glass was a problem in this game. So the Bucks grabbed about 31% of their own offensive rebounds, which is well above average, which is bad for the Hawks. And then on the other end of the floor, the Bucks got about 82% of the defensive rebounds, which is also well well above average, which is bad for the Hawks. So they got killed on the glass, basically. Not like absolutely bludgeoned, but definitely below where you would want on both ends of the floor. 
And that led to the Bucks taking eight more shots in the game than the Hawks did. That's not a good recipe against a good offense. So that was something to circle as well. Like Capella did his part, as he always does, with 16 rebounds. But other than that, um, he was not helped a, a great deal, especially by the bench unit. That was not very good on the glass. Um, and then you get around to the defense. So they allowed about 1.26 points per possession in the game. That's quite bad. You're not going to win very often when you do that. Um, part of that is that Milwaukee is very good on offense, but they didn't shoot it unsustainably well. Like they were 16 to 43 from three. That's about average. They were 37%. That's about what you would expect for the Bucks. There was some real shot making in the first half from guys like Brook Lopez in particular, but it wasn't like they were, you know, crazy. You know, Connaughton, four of 11, that's average ish for him. Um, Brent Forbes is their best shooter again, one of six. Um, Brooke, Brooke was three of six, but Middleton was two of seven, had 10 points. So it wasn't like they went crazy individually. Um, but the Hawks just didn't put a ton of resistance up, you know, around the rim. It got a little bit worse after halftime. It wasn't their best part of that is personnel, which we'll get into in a second. You know, there was not a lot of defensive personnel for the Hawks available in this game as they have, this has been the case for, for a long time now, but against this is the best team the Hawks have played against in a long while. You know, th- they lost to Denver and Phoenix on that long road trip. And that was the last time the Hawks played an opponent that's quite of this caliber, and that showed through. It's, it's a lot harder to hide your deficiencies against Milwaukee, and that was definitely the case in this spot. So I would, say, I would just say this. Overall, the Hawks didn't play terribly in this game, especially when you account for Trey playing the way that he did um, after an injury and all that stuff. But it wasn't their best effort either. So, you know, looking ahead to the future, Milwaukee wasn't at their best either. Like Giannis was not particularly Giannis in this game. Like he was good, but not dominant. Chris Middleton was not good by his standards. So you you probably got like a B minus game from Milwaukee and then the Hawks turned in a worse game than that, but obviously they're battering more injuries. So was this a bad loss? Not really. I mean, it's not a great result, but you're, you're playing, you're playing a good team it's uh, a schedule spot in terms of uh, your in terms of your roster, so nothing. Uh, the sky's not falling, is all I'll say. I know it's on national TV. A lot of build up for this one. I, I, I was not watching because I was uh, covering this game live. But Charles Barkley was apparently some, I guess, horror on the Hawks from what I was seeing on Twitter. That does not matter at all. Like nationally, whatever the Hawks. You know, this is not a this is not a representative sample from the Hawks. They were not playing their best lineups. They did not have their best players. And, uh, you know, Trey was not himself in this game. So throw this one out for the most part. And uh, there you go on that. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast with some individual breakdowns and some standings and all that stuff, a word from our sponsors on the pod, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine, you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, in the final segment of the podcast today, we'll focus on the individual breakdowns in this spot. Nine guys appeared for Atlanta. The two guys that did not were 
Fernando and Skylar Mays. Um, the bench was a problem in this game, as you probably noticed by the uh, <laughs> by the subject of, of I guess the title of this podcast headline, however you want to describe that. Um, the bench was the problem in this game, and granted, something I've said before in the last few games was that coming in, the big question that I have and that anyone should have looking at the roster for the Hawks right now that's available is not the first unit. Yes, it's not ideal to have Solomon Hill play 35 minutes a game. I will grant that. But the bench is really the where you see the real slippage from having all the injuries. So that came through in this game. Now, one thing, Lou Williams is a good player. He was not good in this game. He's minus 27. There's some noise in there for sure. That was by far the worst in the game. But he was not particularly good. Six points, an assist, a steal, two of seven from the floor. I just didn't have his trademark stuff going. and didn't have, didn't have much juice. And then defensively was kind of a problem. So not his best. For sure. Uh, but from there, you get into Goodwin, who was not as good as he's been. Obviously, he had two great games in a row before this. He was the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week earlier in the week on this podcast. Two really great games in a row from Brandon. He was not very good in this game. Score less than 10 minutes. 0-2 from the floor, 0-2 from three. Had an assist and a rebound, just didn't have much going offensively. Uh, Akongwu, I actually thought was good. Uh, eight points, two rebounds, had a block. Um, he's not quite... Capella, obviously, defensively, in terms of being an anchor, but he finished. He was 4-4 from the floor, but nine minutes because he had the foul trouble, and they went tonight for that one stint when Capella was off the court. So, um, Okongwu was the best guy on the bench, for sure, in this spot, but even then, like he's not going to be able to replicate Capella defensively. A couple of nice flashes, but I don't want to pile on, but he wasn't fantastic either. And the night was just bad. Uh, two points, a rebound, a steal, minus 15 in 13 minutes. Um, 0-5 from the floor, 0-4 from three. I like to see him take a little bit fewer threes. Obviously, it's not um, the worst thing in the world. He can shoot those, but he's pretty pretty cold. Now, I think he's like 0 of his last 12 or 13 from three. That's a small sample size, too, but so is his hot shooting early in the season. But defensively, it's uh, it's not good. I don't want to do this every single podcast, but it's not it's not very good. And Him playing center is kind of untenable, for sure. Uh, even playing the four, it's not great. Um, I mentioned this because someone brought it up today on Twitter. I want to talk about, you know, the bench defense and all that stuff. And someone said, you know, they're missing, they're missing their defensive stalwart in Gallinari. They're being sarcastic. And I, and I basically just replied and said, Gallinari is better than the alternative because I think Gallo is a better defender than Nathan Knight right now. Obviously Knight's a better athlete. He can do more spectacular things for sure. But Gallo is just positionally and a little bit stronger and all that stuff. So that tells you where we are on that. But in general, the second unit was just a mess throughout this game. There's no way around it. Um, Bench versus bench. Plus minus is not always the right way to do this. But all four guys on the Hawks bench were minus 10 or worse. And everyone that played more than four minutes on Milwaukee's bench was plus 12 or better. And there you have it. <laughs> it's not always that easy, but it really it really kind of is in this game. Uh, to the starters. And again, I think all five I think all five starters played reasonably well. You know, Trey was obviously not great. Um, but the other four guys who were in the mix as starters played pretty well, I thought. Uh, Kevin Herter, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 7-11 from the floor. He wasn't spectacular, but was definitely more than fine. Like, he did a decent job on Drew Holiday for parts of this game. Uh, I thought he played just fine. Um, Bogdanovich was awesome. 28 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. He's still super hot from 3, 6 of 12 in this game. And, by the way, again, in April, he is 41 of 78 from 3. The sample size is growing, and he keeps making every shot. So... Uh, credit to him for keep, helping keep the Hawks afloat offensively, but he was very, very good, well-rounded overall. Uh, Capella, 16 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks, plus five. So there were two guys, I guess, you know, three with Trey. There were three guys in the Hawks starting lineup 
that were in the positive plus minus in at least 34 minutes in a 11 point loss, <laughs> which is kind of hard to do. Um, but yeah, Capella's really good. Obviously, it's night and day with him defensively when he leaves the court. That's not anything new, but he did a good job on Brooke Lopez when he was out there. And then Brooke kind of hitting some circus shots early in the first half. But I thought Capella was good, uh, as he often is. Uh, Trey Young, we'll talk about him now. 15 points, 9 assists. That doesn't look so bad. If you watch this game, though, you would know that he was definitely worse than that. Uh, he got to the line for 9 free throws. That helps. But he was 3 of 17 from the floor. So even if you account for like him, you know, he, he got some... He got some cheap ones at the line, which is good, which that's part of the name of the game for him. But um, shooting possession-wise, about 21 shooting possessions at 15 points, so that's obviously not what you want efficiency-wise. Nine assists is good. Six turnovers is a lot. It's more than half of what the Hawks had. So just not his best. You know, I, I sort of opined during the game that he looked like he was not 100%. Um, you can never know that. I think just doing the math on him missing some time in the last week or so, also being a game-time decision in this game, playing on national TV, but not looking explosive as he usually does. I don't think he's 100% healthy at the moment. McMillan did say on the record that, you know, they're not going to put him out there if he's not 100% healthy or is not healthy enough to play. So I think I think the quote was basically, you know, he's in uniform. That means he's ready to play. But I don't think that Trey was 100%. That's just my guess. And then you're right, he was not very good by his standards in this game, obviously. And you're hoping with two days off now, he'll be better on Sunday. But he definitely cost them a little bit. But even then, <laughs> the Hawks were plus two when he played. He gets, he gets guarded differently than everybody else does in a good way for the Hawks. And, you know, even when he struggles, he can still be a positive impact player at times. And then you get into Solomon Hill, who is probably the story of the game, despite, at least on the positive side, despite Bodanovich just being incredible. He was Bodanovich was better. But Hill, 18 points, a season high, 6 of 8 from 3, a season high there. Five rebounds and defended Giannis to 15 points. Um, you know, the Bucks kind of, it seemed seemingly on purpose, kept Giannis's minutes down after he had missed a bunch of time here. He played 25 minutes in this game. But Hill did a good job, like a capital G good job defensively, plus at six threes. So without him, the Hawks would have been very lost. He was the game best plus minus on either on uh, on either team starting lineup, I should say. And uh, yeah, he earned it. He played very well. So individually, it could have gone worse. I mean, the bench, <laughs> the bench was not good. That can't be overstated. And then Trey wasn't very good. But the other four guys all played like pretty well. And that's how the Hawks were able to hang around for large portions of this game, despite the bench being as shaky as it was. Um, all right, to so the standings now. As we as I record this late into the night on Thursday, the Celtics are up by 11 on the road in LA. Um, if that holds, and I'm saying if now, because you'll probably notice by the time you listen to the podcast, obviously, but if that holds, the Hawks will be tied with the Celtics for the fourth spot after the Hawks lost this game. Um, the Hawks do have the tiebreaker on Boston. They've won, they won twice against the Celtics this season, so that's good to see. Um, but uh, they also, the Hawks are five and a half behind Milwaukee with 16 to play. So um, as I sort of referenced a little bit in passing yesterday, for the Hawks to have what I would call a super realistic chance to catch Milwaukee, they kind of had to beat them today. At least, I mean, it's not over by any means, but five and a half, 16 to play against a good team. That's tough to overcome. So you're more talking about the four seed from now on. If the Hawks just go on another crazy hot streak, then maybe we'll talk about it again. But for the most part now, uh, you have to kind of assume the top three is the top three. The percentages are pretty ugly for you if you get into that. Um, but, you know, if they can still have plenty of firepower to outlast Boston and New York and all that stuff. Also, they're a game ahead of New York and one and a half ahead of Miami with a soft schedule remaining for the Hawks, at least on paper. Um, 
From here, by the way, they have two days off for the first time since the All-Star break more than a month ago. So a nice little respite for this Hawks team at home also because they don't play again until Sunday when they're playing at home. So no travel, a legitimate two-day break. They have practiced once, I'm sure, um, but still um, some actual time to hopefully you know, scrimmage and maybe rest a little bit and we'll see what happens. So that's the next game for the Hawks is Sunday afternoon. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern time tip-off at Safer Marine against the Indiana Pacers. So uh, that's one to circle for sure. We'll have a new podcast after that game at some point, although it probably won't be until later in the evening on Sunday into Monday as I try to align with the podcast network, sticking to the week stuff if I can. Basically, unless the Hawks play on Saturday night, I'm not going to post a podcast over the actual weekend unless I uh, absolutely need to for emergency purposes. Anyway, um, that's where the next podcast will be. Um, this is a busy week on the show. Obviously, five episodes, including Glenn yesterday and a couple of game recaps and um, Ben Ladder early in the week and all kinds of stuff on the podcast feed. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. And also, please subscribe to the show, follow the show, rate, review. Um, we're on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. I'm also on Twitter at myself, uh, which is at BT Roland. Thank you as always for listening, everybody. Again, last parting thought here. Hawks are still in perfectly fine shape. Yes, they're not like red hot anymore, I guess technically by losing this game, but they had they came into this game winning seven of eight, no crime in losing to the Bucks, and at 30 and 26, no complaints whatsoever in the big picture. So there you go. Uh, we'll be back again on Sunday after the game, and we'll see you next time.